Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is sharing stories of loved ones who have died. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so this comes from your most recent trip where you had to, not had to, you got to preside over the funeral of your granny, correct? Correct. So is there a time when you ask people to share stories? Is it part of the funeral? Is it part of some other healing process? Or when when does this typically happen? This is actually part of the preparation before a funeral or memorial or burial service happens. It's a time when a presider who is going to help you have whatever service you're having gathers with family members ahead of time to begin to plan the service. Okay. So for my granny, she had planned pretty much everything she wanted 19 years ago. Nice. We had sat down when I was there in 2003 and typed out what she wanted and all of the different pieces, the scripture verse she wanted, the hymns that she wanted, all of those pieces. So really what I was doing was gathering with family members to ask them the same question that I ask pretty much all families when I preside at a service for them. And that is, what is it that you need to hear on this day? That if it isn't spoken the point would have been missed. Really? Okay. And it's not what would Granny want to have spoken. No, because she's already decided that by picking the readings and the hymns and all that, right? The readings, the hymns, she chose it by what pictures she wanted to have shown. And sometimes if you've known the person as the presider, you know the person well enough to be able to say some things. But sometimes as the presider, you've never met the person. Mm Mm-hmm. I do a lot of funerals or a lot of burials where I've never known the person. That seems super hard. Well, in some ways it's easier. Okay. Because I'm not coming in with my own feelings and my own stories to glaze my own eyes. Or your own worries about leaving something out. Exactly. And so if I'm coming in completely blank, then I can come in and really listen to the family And I can really hear them. And then I'm coming in just to tell the story of Jesus. I'm just listening for the ways in which this person's life points to Jesus. And I am there to highlight how Jesus is in this story. When I've known the person, then the story that I know and my own emotions begin to cloud the story that gets told. Mm Mm-hmm. So that becomes a bit of a challenge, a big part of the challenge, actually, for me. But in this moment, the storytelling time, and it can be an informal time. It can be, in this case, for my granny, it was in her living room with some of her siblings. Granny was the eldest of 13. Wow. So we had a couple of her siblings present, and her daughters were present, and Several of us grandkids were present. We all sat in the living room and I started to invite stories to see what would come. It can happen in the pastor's office 
So oftentimes I will invite a family or the children of the deceased or the partner of the deceased to come into my office and we'll ask them the same kinds of questions that I was asking at Granny's living room just to get the stories beginning and then encourage questions as we go just to get a smattering of little bits, just to get a flavor of a lifetime. You are never going to get enough. (laughs) You're not looking for like an autobiography's worth of stories. You're just looking for, I don't know, like a sampler platter Mm -hmm. of stories. Just enough to really let the essence of a life bubble up. Do you find it easy for people to share these stories or is this something that you sort of have to coax out of them, especially for those that you don't know? It all depends on the family system. Yeah. Every family is different. Well, and not everybody has that Hollywood ready, everybody loves each other kind of family existence either. Very few. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've encountered that ever in any family system. Well, That's got to make it interesting to try to work around. (laughs) What I tell people is the same thing I say in premarital sessions, which is tell the truth of a whole person. I may not include the harder parts or the more challenging parts, the parts of the story that show kind of the, the parts of a life that maybe are not for public consumption, Mm -hmm. especially at the time of death, the parts that kind of sting other family members, I won't share those at a graveside or in a memorial service. And they are part of the truth of a person. Mm -hmm. A person is an entire whole being. Not only does someone make the most amazing coconut cream cake in the entire world, but their biscuits kind (laughs) of suck. Right? Sure. It's a both and. Everybody is both of those things. And when we try to ignore that at the time of death, we're ignoring the whole of a person. And so in those stories, I try to encourage, especially in the preparations, like tell the truth of a whole person because we need to see that whole person present. When we get to the graveside or when we get to the memorial, I will probably only talk about the coconut cream cake. Mm -hmm. Because that's all we really need to focus on for this day. But when I speak of the coconut cream cake, the family is going to know that I'm aware the biscuits weren't great. And in that, they will be held in the truth, the whole truth of that person. And so it is important the whole story is recognized of that person in that time. Are people usually eager to share stories or is it something that you have to sort of prompt and tease out of them just because we're not used to talking about people that have passed away quite as readily as we probably could or should be? I think usually it starts with a trickle. Yeah. And then once we get started, it keeps going. So it can start with a, well, what are we supposed to say? Mm Mm-hmm. How are we supposed to talk about them? What are we supposed to be sharing right now? What is the right way to grieve? Sure. Right? We, we all have this kind of, how do we do this the right way? What is the proper way to be doing these things? And so once we can kind of break past that, once we can 
move into the right way to grieve is exactly how you feel right now. Because anything you feel is good and right. Mm -hmm. It's the choices you make based on those feelings that have consequences that are easier or harder in your life. And so once we can find our way forward and start the conversation and start the stories, then they tend to just keep happening and keep coming. And they can be really beautiful. They can also be really hard. Yeah. So what kind of stories usually get told then? Everything from favorite songs to oftentimes if people are kind of getting stuck and can't think of things, I'll ask about a favorite food or a favorite dessert. That one can backfire if they didn't like sweets. But (laughs) oftentimes um, a favorite dessert can bring forward lots of celebration stories. Sure, sure, sure. If I have learned that they are someone who was a cook or a baker of any kind, I will ask about a favorite recipe. Mm -hmm. If I have learned at all that they were a traveler, I can ask about a favorite vacation or trip. Or uh, if I've learned anything about a favorite hobby, if anyone drops anything about a favorite hobby, you can go down the pathway of tell me more about their favorite hobby An easy one, if they have a long-lasting romantic partnership with someone, is to ask them about how they met their partner Mm -hmm. and then get folks talking about their partnership for a while. Those are the kinds of questions that can start to spark different pieces and start to spark stories. First dates will often get talked about at the time of death, you know, How did we meet? What was our first date? The first meal that was shared, those are often remembered. Mm -hmm. Children will talk about the kind of meal that was always had together or the furniture that parents made for them or created for them. Sure. Um, Vacations are talked about. Kids will talk about vacations. Kids will talk about parents' words of advice for them a lot. Siblings will talk about sibling rivalry with one another. Sure, that would be a big one in my family. Not that Mm -hmm. we're true rivals, but there's a lot of joshing that goes along. Yep, they'll talk about pranks Mm -hmm. against one another quite a bit. So you can get questions about how siblings have pranked one another. All of those different kinds of things. Among siblings, depending upon age and and social status and gender roles and different things you can ask about. Oftentimes there can be stories about handed down clothing Mm -hmm. that was shared or toys that were shared, rooms and living situations, all of those different kinds of things, jobs, all of that kind of stuff is fair game. Because then what you also find out in those kinds of questions is you find out about morals, values, how they loved one another, trust and how they trusted one another. Oftentimes, stories about faith practices will come into that when you start talking about clothing. Well, when we had our Sunday best on, Mm -hmm. when we would get our new shoes for the year, all of those kinds of topics will come up when you start talking about those different kinds of pieces. And so it all just trickles. It all just kind of happens as part of the conversation as you ask a simple question and wait to see what you hear. 
And in the listening, you can often find, particularly when you have someone who is a strong person of faith, there's often a thread that will weave that can be heard about how their faith influenced them and how their faith pulled them through their lifetime. And that's what I listen for when I'm listening to the stories. I'm listening for where is their faith in this story? Where am I seeing the glimpses of that bedrock of hope and God and trust? And where am I seeing it in the language that their children or the language that their siblings or the language of their parents, how am I seeing it show up in what I'm hearing? Are there ever times when you've lobbed what seemed to be an innocent question out there and realize you've just thrown a landmine? <sighs> and then how do you steer it? Because again, one person's catharsis is somebody else's pain, and I can't even imagine what that room can be like. Yeah. Um, especially when I was younger and newer at this. Mm -hmm. I have absolutely done that. And I have learned that the best way to manage that is to own it. Okay. That when I have asked a question like that, so for example, going back to that dessert question, mm -hmm. you know, what was their favorite dessert? and being met with stone faces, and he had an eating disorder. Mm. And that's not something we talk about in this family. And to hear that, to be able to quickly read the room mm -hmm. and read the energy in the room, and to say, I am very sorry that I missed that. I apologize. Own it and say, what other memories would be helpful to share? And just try to keep moving. Yep. And understand that at that moment, I lost trust. Mm -hmm. And that is just the reality. It was one of those cold call funerals. Sure. It wasn't someone that I knew. It wasn't someone that had been in my pews. It wasn't someone who was anyone that I had walked alongside of. And eating disorders are very strong pieces of a journey. Mm -hmm. So in that particular instance, I just had to admit that I had stepped on a landmine and apologized for my misstep and kept trying to move forward and recognize that then that this family was journeying with a lot that they were not going to talk about mm -hmm. in that moment. And find ways to offer healing into that space, knowing that they were not going to talk about a lot of pain. Do you find these conversations to be more in the path of the joyful? Or do you find yourself knowing I really should have lots of bottles of water and Kleenex available? <laughs> the latter. Really? Yeah. And reminding people constantly to drink water and putting tissues out to say these are for permission, not mm -hmm. to ask you to stop. Tears are holy. Allow them to come. Yeah. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Do you have a favorite story that you have either heard or shared yourself? Gosh, I don't know. I've heard so many. I realized 
As I was preparing for Granny's funeral, I have done so many of these. So, so many. Ah, I will share one of my Granny because this was the last burial that I did. Mm-hmm. So my Granny had a lead foot. I get it honestly. Nice. <laughs> and uh, this is one of the differences in the experience of leading the storytelling for people I don't know versus leading the storytelling for my own matriarch. Mm-hmm. And it was that I am in the stories in this version. Um, so Granny married Paul in 1985 and Paul was telling the story. And if my Southern accent comes in, it's because we were in Nashville. Sure. And uh, Paul was telling the story of Granny at a like a turnpike gate Mm -hmm. in Maine where one of my aunts lives. And, you know, it was backed up and there are lots of people at all the different gates. And it was one of the first times Granny had been at one of these turnpike gates and was asking Paul, well, who goes first? And Paul was like, I don't know who, which one of y'all, which one of y'all go first? And she said something like, I don't know, but you watch. <laughs> and she, he said, and she just stepped on it. And, they, you know, nobody knew who was going first, but she was going to be the one, you know, and she just hit it. And there was nothing but taillights. Nice. <laughs> she was the first one out of the gate. And, and yep, nothing but taillights. And there was something about that story, that whole difficulty of wanting to put more into the homily than maybe I could and that I wasn't doing the eulogy. I wasn't telling Granny's story. I was there to tell the story of Jesus Mm -hmm. at her graveside. But I wanted to work in, you know, there's nothing but taillights. Granny just speeding off into, speeding off into heaven. You can't slow her down, right? She's just speeding off. Mm Mm-hmm. But that was not my part of the story to tell. So I did not incorporate Granny's lead foot into her graveside service. No, but we did get it into this podcast, which is delightful. We did, which is delightful. So my Granny had a lead foot and I have a lead foot, just like my Granny. Excellent. <laughs> I get it honest. I love it. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about sharing stories of the loved ones we have who have died. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. It was my pleasure. Thank you for letting me share a little story. And if you have a loved one who has died, or if there is a time in your life where you are going to be having this experience, don't be afraid. Share your stories and feel your feelings. Give yourself the space and the grace for the grief and for the many feelings it will bring along with it. Mourning is a gift that we are given for the love that we care for others. So be gentle with yourselves. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.